Hello, and welcome to the Lisa Congdon Sessions, a podcast for creative folks about living and working with more intention, curiosity, and joy. I'm your host, Lisa Congdon. Hello, friends. I am so excited today to share with you my conversation with Andrea Nicolescu, my beloved friend and partner in my latest project, the Live Your Values deck, which is a deck of cards that we created together that helps folks sort and narrow their core values so that they can use those values to live a life that feels more aligned and personally satisfying. So if you are someone who is interested in understanding your own personal values and the role values play in our lives and how you can use those values to guide your decisions, uh, which is a really powerful process, this conversation is for you. So before we begin a little about Andrea, uh, she's a senior brand strategist, a Romanian immigrant, which we're going to talk about more on this episode, and a member of the LGBTQ community. She was an integral member of core brand teams at both Starbucks and REI Co-op during pivotal transformation periods. She loves tough problems and has become super skilled at asking hard questions, uncovering insights, and collaborating on solutions that move organizations forward. She is currently co-founder and strategist for One in Three, which is a brand, creative, and social impact strategy firm. She blends her professional and personal experience to help brands hone their unassailable truths, those values and beliefs at the core of who they are and what they stand for. She's also a dear friend of mine, and in this episode, we will talk about how we met and how this project around values came to be. One of the things I love most about Andrea is that she brings a spirit of radical generosity and welcome to every situation. Let's welcome Andrea to the show. Hi, everyone. I am so excited to have my friend, Andrea Nicolescu. Coo, coo, coo. Did I say it correctly, Andrea? Yes, like a bird. It just ends like a bird. (laughs) We can talk about your Romanian heritage in a moment. That is a Romanian name. Am I correct? That's that's exactly right. Full-blooded, full-on Romanian. I'm so happy to be here with you, Lisa Congdon. Yes. So today we're going to talk about values, and it's a topic that both of us are extremely passionate about, and we actually worked together over the last how many years? You know, I just was looking back at this. It's been over two years. Yeah, like a long time on this, well, for lack of a better word, product, although I kind of hate that word because it's really like so much more than a product, this thing you can use that we made to kind of figure out what your values are if you don't already know. So, and we're super excited about it. So we're going to talk about values today and how they've kind of like understanding our own individual values have changed our lives We're also going to talk about this thing that we made, which is the values deck and how we think it can be transformational. So I want to start off by saying we all have core values, whether we're aware of them or not. They're the values that remain with us for most of our lives. And while core values can sometimes shift and change over time, depending on your life circumstances and discoveries and they do they do sometimes change especially i think when you reach adulthood and you start to become independent and you kind of move away maybe from the values that you were raised with potentially but for the most part they remain stable over the course of our lives and they're they're influenced by things like cultural norms like however we were raised or in whatever culture we were raised parental values our own sort of like innate DNA, kind of how we're wired. And they are really a barometer for what matters most to us, right? And they're really the underlying principles that we hold as most important. Every action we take, whether it's conscious or not, comes from an underlying value. One we likely learned and embody through a combination of things like family experience and role models and and all of that. So... Andrea, tell me, 
to you, why is knowing your values important? Well, thank you for that setup, um, Lisa. And I am in violent agreement with everything that you've just (laughs) said, which is to say that we, whether we know them or not, all of us have them. And so one of the things that I uncovered much too, not too late in my life, but late in my life is that I have values and that it's important to number one, know what they are. And number two, keep them top of mind and top of, you know, eyesight so that, you know, the, the reason why I think it's just so important to know them and, and have them handy is it is how we move through life, the journey that is life, the river that is life, whatever you want to call it. They impact every single decision at a Y in the road. It's like, I'm going to go this way or that way, or, you know, myriad of different. I mean, okay, let's, so you say they do, but I think for a lot of people, they don't. Maybe is it that they should or that they can and that, that if we do align our decisions to our values, that that we might actually live in more alignment? Isn't that, that's the goal, right? Yeah, that's that's right. That's right. I, I think kind of further up the stream to continue the, the yeah. water metaphor, you know, if one doesn't feel like they're clear on what their values are, it seems that there is a lot of then kind of agita or conflict or chaos in one's life because there's, it doesn't seem like there's anything to grab onto, like, you know, at a Y in the road about a relationship or at a Y in the road about a job or a move or, you know, something as giant as like, what path in life should I take? How do you know if you don't know? It's, it's like, you know, circular, this notion of, I think it was, I'm going to get my thinker wrong, but it was either Socrates or Aristotle who said, this phrase, know thyself and like how valuable to know yourself so that you can know how to be and, and how, how to decide how to live this, this congruent um, aligned life. And when we don't have that, I, I will speak for myself and I know that you will too. It's life can be quite chaotic. And I think our premise is there is a better way. Yes. <laughs> Which is that, you know, you, you do figure it out, you sort it out as it were, and then life can just kind of calm down. I love that. Can you tell us your own story and I'll follow up with mine? Like, how did you discover that, you know, how did you have this revelation that values were so important? And I'm guessing it's because you did some sort of values exercise, (laughs) which was sort of the inspiration for for this thing that we made together. So tell us, tell, let's go back in time and tell us like where you were in your life, what was happening, and then you happened to do this exercise. And I think at the suggestion of a friend, right? So tell us that whole story. Awesome, awesome. So as I was thinking back, sometimes I like to peel the onion like all the way, all the way back. And one of the things that I was reflecting on, Lisa, is you just mentioned in my introduction that I am from another country and that English is my second language. And so I was thinking about this word values and kind of how did it first get on my radar? Because as a baby 10 year old in communist Romania, the word values was not like a word that I had language for in Romania. And then I learned the English word for it. That concept did not exist in my, you know, sort of zeitgeist cut to in my professional life, in my 30s, I happened to be working for, for many years, a company, a brand for whom values was at the very core of what they stood for. So really, that is when the word values, I had a business context for it. I I understood what it meant for my company. I understood how it impacted how the company ran its business, how it treated its employees, all that stuff. Cut forward a little bit further, and I am going through some like agita, you know, let's say agita slash chaos in both my personal and my professional life. And so 
And again, values is a thing that I only have business context for. Okay. But, but I did know that what it meant for my company is these are the things that matter most to us that are most important. And therefore they're going to guide every decision that we make. Okay, great. So I'm going through this difficult time in my life, both personally and professionally. And my friend, Jessica, as I'm lamenting this says, you know, I'm sure that friends kind of get tired of, you know, they're not our therapists. And so they kind of get tired of like, oh, you know, what's wrong. So um, Jessica helpfully says, have you ever done a personal values exercise? This is the first moment that is like crystallized in my brain where the word personal and the word values come together for me. I'm like, oh, that's a thing. And so Jessica sends me a thing and I what I should say is stepping back, I had like tried to help myself, you know, before my conversation with her, I had like tried to read and tried to educate myself. You know, there are tons of resources out there, but what I found, what I came across was either super theoretical, didn't seem very practical, super unwieldy. Like you really had to like, you know, spend a lot of time and just kind of dense and like not that fun. And, you know, it turns out fun is one of my eventual core values. So when Jessica sent me this thing, I was like, well, I'll, I'll try it, even though it seems sort of woo-woo, I'll say. And even though in my kind of cultural background in Romania, there's no such thing, at least back then, as like, you know, like rubbing up on your like mental state and your emotional state. It's very pragmatic where it's like, oh, you have a problem. Why don't you go and plow the field? And that will like take care of your problem. You know, it's like very metaphorically, like just work, work it out. And, you know, there's not a lot of like examination and we're talking about feelings and things like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. In fact, that's, that's a different story, which I have very limited language around feelings. So that's a different story. But anyway, I do this exercise. It is again, lightning bolt, Lisa. Like I can't even explain to you. I wish I could take you back there. Here's what it did. It did two things. One is it confirmed some things that I knew, but that I just, it that was like swimming around in my brain. This is a thing that we'll come back to. It is so vital to get it. You know, our brains are powerful (laughs) things and there's a lot swimming around in them. And when things are swimming around, I find that unless I get them out on literally with like my Sharpie on a piece of paper, it's very murky and very confusing. And so to have a thing that, that was like a physical, and this is why digital is so like, I'm such a proponent of physicality and like touching and seeing. So it confirmed a lot. The other thing is that it just painted the way forward for like, oh, if these are my, if these are the things that matter most to me, then I better make some choices and some decisions so that those things come together and are aligned. And I'll, and I'll use Jessica. I'll give you some examples in a second about myself, but I'll use Jessica because this is how she kind of illuminated it for me. She said, I did this exercise and it turned out that solitude was my number one value. Now I looked at my life And my life had exactly zero solitude. Mm. Okay. So then it's like, well, shit, over time, you know, little by little by little by little, I better make some decisions to inject some solitude into my life so that the thing that I say is most important really, you know, is demonstrated to be most important. This is the other aha is if you say that something matters to you, how can I tell? How can I tell? It's because you act that way, or you make decisions that way, or at a, again, at a Y in the road, you go this way, not that way. People on the outside of you, and most importantly, you yourself should be able to tell that the thing that is most important to you is demonstrated through your actions and your decisions. I'm happy to go into some more examples of how this illumination and my core personal values, you know, kind of how that came to light in my life, but wanted to pause for a second and see if you have any questions. I love that story. And I, and we will get into more examples in a minute, but I wanted to talk for a second about, okay, so you do this, 
How many years ago was this? This was over a dozen years ago. So I was, I'm almost 50. So I was in my late thirties. Okay. And your values, like it's such a big moment for you. And do you remember, can you say what your, what you discovered your, your core values were at the time? Absolutely. And, and what's so interesting is when I, when I share these values with people who know me well, they are both, it's like two things happen that are both at a hundred percent. It's like total head nod and total surprise. And I'll explain why, but my, my top core value and, and this, this exercise was about getting down to your top 10, but for not force ranking, because it sounds violent, but like, you know, really making some decisions about like, what is number one? What is number two? What is number three? And so for me, safety is my number one core value. Mm. And so let me just say a little bit about that and why it was just so like, I keep making this, this motion, like lightning bolts were hitting me, but it really was like a lightning bolt. Going back to my background, I am an immigrant. I don't have a relationship at all with any of my family. It's just like, I'm like lone wolf kind of soldier, right? And so I was looking back at my life and going, oh, that's why I'm so, like, it's just me. And so I have to be responsible for myself. I have to be my own safety net all of a sudden I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. Why I've always been so concerned with like financial health, why I've been so all up on my like education and my job and my career path, because there's like no other safety net, right? It's just me. It goes down to like, why do I so easily, you know, in my earlier years, this is just like a a small, but big example. I have always had a very easy time saying no to getting overly drunk or like doing drugs. And like, why is that? Well, because if I lose control, there is nobody there to grab me. Do you know what I mean? Like if, if something goes sideways with you, for example, you have a mom, you have a dad, you have a sister, you have, for me, safety is always, that's not to say that I haven't taken calculated risks. Absolutely. This is the surprising part. My friends are like, well, wait a minute, you picked up and moved to New York. You bought a house that, you know, this, like, it's not that I'm like shut down and, you know, like everything is, but, but the point being that safety, my own safety on all of the dimensions are always at the forefront. It's just that I didn't realize it until I did this exercise. That's so interesting. So what, what else? Things like authenticity or genuineness is like super, super, super top. Um, integrity, this notion of being what you seem, I just think is, I I know that like, it matters to me so, so much. Um, Self-respect is a huge one for me. Um, I, I have it and I'm attracted to people. I'm in relationships with people who have a a healthy dose of self-respect because that then um, is demonstrated in how they act, the decisions they make, their boundaries, um, you know, what you're invited into, what you're not invited into. Um, I also uh, have pretty high up there the notions of leisure and pleasure. Um, This shows up in cooking, in gathering, in music, in the way that I work really, I have a really high work ethic, but when I unplug, I really unplug and that is recharging. So, so these things that, that once I saw them, I was like, oh, that's why this is why I am the way I am. And it was, I mean, I just can't even, maybe the biggest thing that happened, Lisa, is that I I think I mentioned I was around 38 when I did this. Um, And I had, I have a best friend who had at the time, daughters that were just, um, one of them was just um, coming to the end of her middle school. And I thought to myself, oh my God, how, how, I mean, it was literally the first thought I had is if I had had this in my earlier years, like how much pain and chaos and just like hard times might have might I have alleviated for myself. So it was literally the first thing I did was I took this thing and I was like to my friend's daughter, can I take you to brunch? And can I 
let you do this so that you can go through the rest of your teens and your 20s and your 30s and the rest of your life with a guidepost or a compass, which, you know, to your point might change a little bit. But what, you know, what might you look back on when you're 50 to say, oh, that core value is something that showed up when I was in middle school. So anyway, that sort of like started the whole like, oh, God, this has to be for everybody somehow, some way. Cut to 12 years later. Here we are. Amazing. And (laughs) two years ago about you invited me out to lunch and you had a proposal for me. So this was pre-COVID, by the way. And at the time, Andrea and her partner were living in Portland and you're back in Seattle now. But so we were, you know, practically neighbors. You said, let's go out to lunch. I have something I want to talk to you about. And so we met at this restaurant and then you proceeded to talk to me about this values exercise and had I ever done it because you had an idea that you wanted to make it into something that people could use that was readily available. And turns out you had some like really eerie, uh, I don't know, intuition. I mean, the reason that you asked me if I wanted to do this with you is that it was clear to you that I lived a values driven life, right? Like a values driven business. And that I seemed very intentional. And I even talked openly on Instagram and on my previous blog about values. I had actually, we met because I went to REI where you used to work and gave a talk on my work. And part of the filter for how I make work and show up in the world is my values and something clicked for you when I was talking. And then fast forward, we, be, you know, you moved to Portland, we become friends. And like, this is like a year, or even two years later, something after we originally met, we had become close friends. And you didn't know that I had also done the values, a values exercise, and that I had also had a sort of transformational moment. And I was also, I was a little, you were 38, I was probably at a similar age, I want to say mid to late 30s. And I was working at a nonprofit organization where I worked for quite a few years. And we used to do all kinds of leadership and personal professional development in the organization. Like you, I worked for an organization that was very values driven. Most nonprofits are. (laughs) Some for-profit businesses are as well, especially these days. And we can talk about running a values-driven business later. But similar to you, I had never really given much thought to my own values or put a name to them. In fact, I almost grew up, like I think for a lot of Americans in particular, values are sort of associated with like kind of traditional values, like family and home and the wife stays home and like traditional American sort of Christian Mm -hmm. values and family values, family values. And so if anything, I think for a lot of Americans, especially a lot of Americans who don't fit into that mold, the word values actually kind of had a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. And so I don't remember who led us in this exercise, but I was at some professional development with the organization where I worked and somebody came in and led us through this values exercise. And we're going to start talking about this more, what this actual exercise is. We've been referring to it endlessly, Um, (laughs) but it involved some cards that had the names of values written on them. And there's like some sorting that you do of these cards to try to get to your core values. And so everyone did that. And then we went around and talked about it. And I remember also having like it's kind of like taking the Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram. It's like learning about what gets you out of bed in the morning and like learning about what motivates you is so important, especially when you're feeling unmotivated or uninspired. And similar to you, I was going through a time in my life where I liked my job just fine, but I realized like after doing this exercise that like one of my core values was creativity. 
And good to know. <laughs> I know, right? And at the time, I was like maybe like making some stuff on the side in my sewing room or something, but like I was not yet an artist in the way that I am now. And there were other things that were so important for me to see and hold. And like that really began along with, you know, many other things or sort of a confluence of things that helped me to kind of change the trajectory of my life. But that was a big thing for me is like understanding what motivated me and what drove me and what made me happy. And that my life at the time was not aligned with my values in a Mm -hmm. way that, that it eventually became. And so anyway, we're having lunch that day, you and I, and I tell you this story and then you're like, oh my God, this has to happen. And you asked me if I would be willing to kind of explore this idea of taking this values exercise, which for the record is like an open copyright to this thing. But there was no, at the time, I don't know, there may be now, but there was no kind of like anything on the market that people could buy that was packaged or visually beautiful, which was kind of another value that we share is like wanting things to look look nice. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Because beauty, beauty, because beauty is up there in the core values. Yeah, it's definitely in my my in my top 10. I don't know if it's called beauty, but you can have your own names for your own values. They don't necessarily have to be what's what's in the card deck. But anyway, we got to talking about turning this thing that most people, you know, who led people in values exercises had sort of scrappily made together by like photocopying things, cutting the cards into squares and like passing them out. <laughs> and we thought like, well, let's turn this into a product. And so originally we were going to self-publish and we went down this road of like, what would that require? And I have a lot of experience in publishing. And while you like, it might eventually work out to self-publish something, it's it's just more work. And that was basically what we came down to was like, if we can get a publisher to agree that this is an important thing to make, it's just going to be a lot easier. It might take longer, but it's going to be a lot easier. So we talked about that. And then I approached Chronicle, who I have worked with forever on different things. And we submitted a proposal and they loved the idea. And then they acquired the idea. And then the ball got rolling. It it really did. You know, you're reminding me and because of that part that you just said about how there was a phase where we were going to do it on our own. It was, it's been over three years. It was, I was mistaken. It's been over three years. And what I want to punch out a little bit is this motivation, I would say for both of us, I know that we're both motivated by this, which is to say, we dream of a world where knowing what your values are is as vital to being a human being as breathing is vital to being a human being. And so one of the reasons why I was so encouraged when you brought up the notion of like, yes, we could self-publish and it would be a lot of work, but it would probably also be fairly limited in terms of, you know, like how much it got out. The thing that I'm so motivated by is hopefully via Chronicle and via, you know, our relationship with one another, if we can get, I mean, I literally dream of a world where this thing is given to middle schoolers when they end middle school or high schoolers when they graduate high school or college graduate it like uh, it's just so vital and i hope nobody has to wait until they're 38 <laughs> to have this stuff codified because it just it just is so 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 important and then the other piece is you know you spoke of how kind of the core principles that we were guided by in terms of making this product There are a couple of additional elements, which is that we really wanted to define what these values are. That was really important to us. You know, your definition of safety might not be my definition of safety, but just for the sake of beginning this conversation, let's just say what we mean by safety or by self-respect or by beauty or whatever. And then you can decide like, oh yeah, this really matters most to me or it matters some or it doesn't matter at all. So so defining was a really important piece. The other piece that you, I remember this so distinctly, you're like, I only want to do this if there's some element of, okay, now, how do you do this? Or some suggestions or questions to ask yourself to actually like really what the title says, which is like, how do I live this? You know, it's, it's like, if this, then 
Right. It's one thing to understand that your core values are service and creativity and authenticity. It's another to have those values at the forefront of your mind and your life and driving the decisions that you make. And so it was really important to me that there be suggestions for how to implement values once you discover that they're yours and activities for going deeper. And so we we can talk about that in a second. So we've been talking a lot about this values exercise or this values activity uh, deck, activity, whatever you want to call it, that we had both used in different forms that we then kind of made into a coherent product. So the deck is, it's called the Live Your Values deck. And what's the subtitle? The subtitle is sort out, no pun intended, honor and practice what matters most. Right. And so it, you open up the deck and there are 70, 73, oh, 73. cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's 73 cards. And by the way, originally, I think we had like 100. Oh my God. Over No, I remember my spreadsheet was like 150 or more. We had to be very selective, which is why there are a couple. So there's 73 values two blanks. So you can write your own if if you are like, no, this thing, this word, this value is so important to me and it's not reflected in the deck, you can you can make your own. And the three headers. The three headers, which are, well, anyway, we'll get to that in a second. So the deck has like these 73 cards and on the front of each card is an illustration with the name of the value, say a service, and then a definition. And the definitions were kind of hard because we wanted to make them general enough, but also specific enough that it would spark something for people. Like, is this actually a value for me or is it not? Do the definitions matter so much in the end? No. What matters is that you understand what a value means to you. We were just trying to be clear about what we meant. And then on the back side of each card, there are bulleted suggestions for kind of like how to enact that value in your life if you find that it's one that's important to you. And so then there's an exercise that you do. And so Andrea, do you want to talk everyone through kind of like there's three additional cards, one that says matters most to me, matters some to me, and doesn't matter to me. And you basically take those three cards and put them kind of like you sit on a floor or on a giant table, you need space for this. Mm-hmm. And you kind of separate those three and then you start sorting. So talk people through what that looks like. Sure. So let me just say one quick thing, Lisa, and I would love for you to share your point of view on this question because it might be individual, you know, the approach might be at the individual level. But for me, it was super important for me to undertake this exercise privately, at least, you know, like while I'm doing it, meaning it's just for me. I'm not, it's not performative. I'm not like thinking about, you know, what's going to come out of it and how I'm going to like post that to Instagram or something. It's just like, it's almost as if I were like in a, you know, hermetically sealed vault or something where it's just like me in my most private, like I'm having a very honest conversation with myself if I decided to share it after, that's cool. But I, it was really important for me to think of the doing this as if I were writing a journal that nobody else was ever going to see so that I could be like my very most honest with myself. Right. What was you, that experience for you? Well, I was going to say one of the things that feels really important to me is because you're, you're going through this sorting exercise, you have this deck of 73 values and you're saying, oh, this doesn't matter to me or this does matter to me and this matters the most to me. And that this piece about being honest. So one of the things we really wanted to drive home is this is not what you think you should be or what your mom told you you should be or that you have guilt that you're not. Right. This is who you are. And that's why doing this alone and really thinking about like, does this matter to me or does this not matter to me? not should this matter to me. Right. Because here's the thing that I had to really try to understand. There's no value judgment on values, right? So there's not one value in that deck that's a bad value. Right. There's no one value in that deck that's the best value. They're just 73 different values. And your goal is to narrow down to a handful. And Andrea will talk you through that in a sec. But 
you know, this idea of it being a private exercise at first, you can do it with your friends later, private, truthful, and really like, this is how I want to live the rest of my life. So what, what does matter most to me, not what should matter most to me. That's right. That's right. That's a very important, um, nuance is too soft of a word. It's a very important truth about it. It's, it's just who you are. And then the other element is, it's who you are irrespective of what role you're playing in your life. So like, you know, sometimes we're friends, sometimes we're worker bees, sometimes we're, you know, lovers, sometimes we're parents. It's not like applied. It's just like you're in your purest. And then we can talk in a minute about how it might apply to different roles, but it's just like, it's agnostic of those roles, I guess I should say. So to cut to the chase, let me just say it again. It's so fun (laughs) because First of all, you're holding these, and, and our designer did such an incredible job, and the production manager, like, it just, they feel so good. Like, it's just, it's pleasure personified, because, okay, so the first part of the exercise is that you're just making piles. So, you know, Lisa mentioned giving yourself some space, but that's for step two. Uh, the first step is kind of stream of consciousness. You're not overthinking it. This is not meant to take two hours. Like, I mean, it could, but just very stream of consciousness. You just read the word, you read the definition and you're just sorting like this. You're just making piles. Matters most to me, matters some to me, doesn't matter to me. I will stop and say that my matters most to me was uncomfortably gigantic. Which <laughs> It was like, you know, like this pile was like this and then the other two were, which then is why you want more space for the second step, which is you set aside matters some to me and doesn't matter to me. And all you're focused on is matters most. So after you get through all 73 cards. That's right. Okay. You get through all 73. This this step usually takes, I mean, it could take as long as you want. But again, the, the point is like what's inside of you that's just kind of like instinctual. You're not like, oh my God, like, you know, parsing out every word. It's just like, it's coming out of you. You're letting it come out of you. So you then lay out so that you can see every single matters most. And then you get to pick 10. This by far, step three is also hard, but this by far for me is the hardest, but also the most interesting to the point of like getting to know yourself and the nuance begins to, you know, come into play. So let me give you an example. In my matters most, I had simplicity and thrift both of those things. Well, there's some nuance in like what that means. Oh, and then order was another, was another one. And so you find yourself kind of like really asking yourself, like kind of grouping and like what might have to go kind of horse trading, so to speak. So you get to your top 10. And again, it's hard. It's hard. I'm giving you permission right now to say to yourself, this is really hard, but it's okay. Push through really like, you know, like, and also you're, I'm sorry. I told I, I we had a whole talk before we started recording about how we weren't going to interrupt each other, but then we both get so excited and we like and then I'm, I'm breaking my own rule. I just want to say before we move on that when you remove something from the matters most to me pile because you're trying to narrow down, it doesn't mean that thing doesn't matter yes. to you. Like you can have 10 values and really live by those 10 values and that's fine. But what we find and what research shows is if you can really hone in on a handful and keep those at the forefront, that that's actually the most effective. You're not rejecting something that's important to you. It's just we're trying to get to the stuff that's the most important. That's right. That's right. The vital few, if you will. I'm so glad you brought that up because there can be this like, I mean, I don't have children yet, but it's like you're trading like one child for another. It's like, no, 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 no. It's not like that. It's it's those things still matter some. It's just that things are, you know, rising to the top. And then speaking of rising to the top, the third step is you've got your 10 and then you have to rank the 10, which again is another element of difficult because it's like, you know, the notion is really like, if you could only have one, it would be X. If you could have two, it'd be first X, then Y, et cetera. What I did after I had my top 10 years ago was I found this beautiful rock that was about maybe like this big. All right. People can't see you. So 
Oh, sorry. Four inches, about okay. four inches oval, if you will. Just, you know, it's something that you could imagine, like if I wanted to put it in my pocket, I could, but it could also sit as a kind of paperweight on my desk. There are, I've seen people do a million things. My friend, Amy, color is really important to her. And so she beautifully watercolored, lettered her top pen in order on a, you know, and she just like has it in her office. My friend, Laura wants to get hers framed so that there's this element of inspiration and beauty and artfulness along with the real kind of meat of the thing. You know, people put them in their, I put them in my phone too. I just like always want to have them. They are top of mind, but again, to see them, I just can't say enough about it. Let's okay. So people, this is all hypothetical. If people haven't done this before, if you have, and you're interested in doing it again, we're so excited for you. So let's talk about kind of like once you've got it narrowed down to your top three or five, if you're one of those people like me, who's like, I can't do three. I have to do five. No, it's 10. But you know, if you want five, that's great. If you want three, that's great. Sorry. I just didn't mean. Yeah. 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 It's 10. So, but you know, you've got maybe your top three that are the highest priority to you. Mm -hmm. What do you suggest or how have you, maybe you can share some examples of how you have, and I can do the same, kept those values front of mind to help you in making decisions or examples of times when you were at a crossroads and and you were like, oh, wait, I know what to do now because this is what's most important to me. So talk about, talk about that because it's one thing to know your values. It's an entirely another to, to then just start to live them. Totally. Thank you for asking. And Before I give you my very immediate example, I just want to hearken back to the notion of this kind of like, not equation because it's not math, but it's like, if then, if then, if then, if I say that in this case, family is one of my top 10 core values, then how can I tell? Okay. So like that, Mm. that's like a really simple shortcut for me of like, Oh, if I say, if this thing really is the thing that matters most to me, then, and let me give you a then. So a couple, three, over three years ago. So family, family is in my top 10 core values. And over three years ago, my wife and I, who we met at REI, she got an opportunity to really advance her career in a very meaningful way. What that advancement meant is that she and I together would have to move to a brand new city. Now, that city was very close by Portland, but it meant for me two things. Leaving a city that I really deeply, like if you cut me, I bleed Seattle. Like I, (laughs) for, for many reasons, for many reasons, which have to do with like when I first came here, to go to college and how I just like got off the bus and felt like I was at home. Someone who's an immigrant doesn't often feel at home. So there's like very deep kind of soulful connection to Seattle. The second piece is that I had a killer job. I had the kind of job that beautifully aligns like my purpose with all the things with like, like I could have not had a more perfect job, but I recognized that this thing would be good, higher order, would be best for my family, the family unit, even though personally, I would have to make some decisions that at the individual level might hurt. And indeed they did. But again, I like reconciled or made peace with, or like it didn't cause, I certainly grieved leaving Seattle. And I, I, you know, I, I wasn't like shutting those feelings down. I certainly grieved having to leave my job, but it didn't cause like chaos in the way that it might have. If I all of a sudden, like felt like huge resentment, like what, you know, why am I having to do this? Like it just cleared the way emotionally to be like, this is what we're doing because if family matters most to me, then this feels really good. So that is one example of like a very material example, a very recent example of how that came to pass. What about for you? 
Well, I think for me, certainly this idea of my life being led by my ability to express myself creatively. I used to work in a in an organization where I was definitely a leader of a team. I definitely had the opportunity to be creative in terms of writing. I also absolutely one of my core values is like collaboration and I love I got had the opportunity to work with other people and I absolutely like love I loved those aspects of my career. We were also kind of a mission-driven organization serving the, you know, underfunded education system in the Bay Area and California. And there were some, like you, I had this amazing kind of aligned job, but what it didn't provide for me was this like really deep and rich creative practice that I began to discover at that time was something that I needed to do. Like Mm -hmm. I literally like recognized, and it's almost like doing this exercise gave me permission to do the thing that was in the back of my mind, something I always wanted to do. And, you know, the internet at the time, this was in the early 2000s, was becoming a space for people to, you know, share what they were making and potentially, you know, we had no idea that all the ways that you can make a living as an artist now, or as a creative person, it would exist, but it was becoming a space where those opportunities were starting to reveal themselves. And I was beginning to see a picture of what, you know, living a life as a, a creative person could look like. And I didn't necessarily know that it was going to be making a living being a creative person, or if I was going to like go get a job at a coffee shop so that I could be creative. But like that idea that I didn't have to feel like an automaton every day who was like Mm -hmm. getting up and going to the same job and like going through the same motions. I remember there was this TV ad on at the time when the Volkswagen bug, the new, that new Volkswagen like little bubble of a car with the flower with the flower base. Yes. Yeah. With flower (laughs) base. When that was reintroduced or introduced into the market, there was this ad that VW put out where this guy was like getting up every day and going to the same job. And, you know, it was like an automaton, like somebody who was just automatically getting up and doing the same things. And, you know, while I loved my job in many ways and the people that I worked with, I did sort of identify with that ad. I remember it like really it didn't necessarily make me want to go out and buy the car, but I was like, oh, wait, that's me. Like I saw myself in that. Mm-hmm. And this was around the time that this was all happening. And I think that I thought previously that that's just how life was. Like, that's what your job was. You got up and you went to work and you did this thing. And because I was good at it and I loved aspects of it, I was like, oh, this is what I'm meant to do. Mm-hmm. And then when I did this values exercise and, you know, creativity was like a big part of you know, what mattered to me, I realized I was a not exercising it enough, my creative muscles, and b that it wasn't like leading my decision making. And um, at the time, I was like starting to make art on the side, I was taking classes, I was like, I think I had started a blog, not the blog that I most recently had, but like my the first iteration of my blog. And I just started to, you know, make stuff and share it. And that, of course, led to where I am today, there's a million different other things that happened in the meantime. But that's an example of like, it was like this permission, like, oh, I actually have choices. And I felt super empowered. Like I lived so much of my life up until that point, feeling like I had no agency Mm -hmm. to to actually live. I would fantasize about living a life that was different than the one I was living, but I didn't think it was possible for me. And so, I mean, it wasn't all the values exercise. There was a lot of therapy in there. And I know same for you. Oh yeah. Um, And actually like, sometimes recognizing what your values are can help you find the help that you need to like move through points where you're stuck. You're like, I know this matters to me, but I can't seem to make it happen. And and it can be really powerful in terms of like figuring out, you know, how to get your butt in gear. I wanted to say too, that like, I love your example because so much of having values isn't about always honoring your values. It's recognizing when you are sacrificing them and being really clear and transparent about that. There's an example in the booklet. It's just kind of a silly example, but I'm going to, I'm going to read it to you because I feel like it's like, it's kind of one that makes the point that I'm trying to make. So it says, you may also find when making decisions, some of your core values sometimes feel in conflict with one another. For example, let's say adventure and solitude are two of your core values. And imagine you've been invited to join a group of friends to take a travel adventure. In deciding whether to go, you may find the idea of travel adventure with friends supports your love of adventure, 
but is in conflict with your deep need for solitude. When that happens, it's important to consider what feels most important to you at that time. There's no way to make a perfect decision, but considering what feels important to you is a way to honor your greatest needs. Likewise, you have this core value. Maybe you're in a relationship with somebody who has a different value. And so maybe your value is solitude. Your partner's core value is adventure. And they really want you to come along on some adventures with them. So maybe, you know, part of how you navigate your relationship is just acknowledging like, this is going to be a little uncomfortable for me, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to do it because my commitment to my partner is really important. And like in your case, you had this family value, which I find so interesting because you're estranged from your actual biological family, but you've had to make your own family, which also just like shows that you can make these values If they're important to you, don't question whether, oh, this should or shouldn't be. If something's important to you, it's important to you. And I think for me, it's more being aware of them and talking about them rather than always adhering to them. Oh, for sure. Because sometimes you're in relationships with people who need different things. And sometimes you're going to have to make sacrifices. But being clear that you're making a sacrifice to me is like, a really powerful move. And then you do the thing with the other person or that the other person wants to do, or you make that sacrifice with your eyes open, not to then hold it over the other person later and to say, I made this sacrifice for you, blah, 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 but rather to go into the experience with your eyes open and, you know, and and your heart open. Yep. Yep. I'm happy to share one other example that is also quite salient, but I don't want to hijack your questions or or I'm not sure how much more we have to go. Go for it. Okay. What I find super helpful is to have, maybe this is my Eastern European background, but I love the notion of Russian nesting doll, you know, like where everything nests into something else. And so I have found it quite helpful to have a framework for the thing that comes up. So let me give you this example real quick. Leah and I are on a Sorry about that. Leah's my wife. And we're on a journey to have a child to expand our family of two to three. And one of the things that Leah, and now another little tidbit about us is I'm a straight up atheist. Leah was raised in the church and has a spiritual relationship with, you know. She even has a divinity degree. Masters of divinity. That's right. And um, the other day she said to me, I think it'd be cool if we had our eventual child, you know, go to like check out different religions and different churches. And for me, like at first I like recoiled and I was like, no, surely that child is going to be an atheist like me. (laughs) Just kidding. But as I reflected on it and I brought the conversation back to her a few hours later, you know, one of our values is that we are a family of learners. We are curious. We are learners and teachers where like, there's so much of life. So once I teed up like under the rubric of we are a family of learners, I can totally imagine we learn about music, we learn about food, we learn about religion, we learn about different cultural touch points that people have. That all of a sudden took it from like an adversarial, like I'm an atheist, you're not, we're going to go to church, no, we're not. It just like calmed everything down and it just was quite a like, oh, okay, that Russian nesting doll fits into this other Russian nesting doll. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, if we're a family of learners, then we learn about all kinds of things. It's not just like random, you know, living life randomly. Um, So I just want to share that as another little like how it comes to pass. Well, I also love that before we started chatting today or started recording, you and I were talking about the fact that you and Leah, now you, you've both done this individually multiple times, and now you're doing it as a couple to find your like couple values. And that's, I just, now I'm like, oh my God, Clay and I have to do this. this you is, have to, it's yeah. so fun. And so I'm sure that like your shared value, like what are the all the values that we share and that overlap for us? Gosh, what a powerful thing. And it's not something we actually wrote about in this little booklet. We did talk about doing it with friend groups just to, one exercise that can be really fun once people have done it individually. And again, we recommend people do it privately, even if you're in a group setting that you go off to your own corner, that you actually can come together and share your values and then see who you overlap with. It's kind of like, I don't know who's done the Myers-Briggs test, but like 
I'll never forget the first time I did that. And this was at an elementary school where I worked. The whole staff took the test and they divided the room between the extroverts and the introverts. And there was like, okay, so we're talking about elementary school teachers. So there were like, I want to say maybe I'm, I'm generalizing here, but let's say there's 25 teachers, literally five introverts and 20 extroverts. And the introverts, you know, it was like the first time I had ever thought, you know, about kind of like that we are different and that we kind of maybe treated the, you know, I was on the cusp of introvert, extrovert. And that particular time I I tested extrovert. Mm -hmm. Since I've gotten older, I've tested more introvert. But I remember like we talked about like stereotypes that people have as introverts and assumptions we make, you know, when an introvert would cross us in the hallway and not make eye contact, that that meant that they didn't like us or they were being rude. When in fact, they're just like focusing on going where they're going or uncomfortable making eye contact or whatever. And we started talking about these differences as not again, good or bad, right? but just is like how we are. And I imagine, like, I remember doing this, this exercise with a different group of people, this values exercise, and then talking about where we overlapped and where we were different. And again, not like I'm better because this is my value and you're worse because this is your value, but this is just, we're simply different. And I think any opportunity we have to understand each other better and is, it's like, but starting with ourselves first, like, oh my God, to like know yourself and um, I think one of the kind of tips on the back of the solitude card, I, I'll never forget it because it's so powerful. I just loved it so much. It says reframing solitude to mean making friends with yourself. I was just like, oh, yeah, so well, I mean, sweet. it's true. It's like the more you know yourself, the more you're able to see other people for who they are. And you, it's also, as I, as I mentioned earlier, it's the sort of permission giving, like, you might grow up thinking a certain value that you hold dear is bad or what's the word I'm looking for? Like superfluous or extravagant, right? Or something you should be ashamed of. Like, let's say you value beauty. Maybe you were told your whole life that valuing beauty was too vain or too superficial, right? Doing this exercise is like, oh yeah, this is my value and it's just a value. And it's just, and it's not something for me to be ashamed of or to hide. In fact, I should be cultivating it in my life because it matters to me. There's no good or bad. Like we grow up pretty, pretty much. I think every culture has some value around values. And um, we grow up thinking that certain values are good and certain values are bad. When in fact, a value is like kind of like agnostic of, of judgment. Yeah. It's pure. There's like a purity to it. I would say. Yeah, exactly. Another big one for me was service has always come up in mine. And like, I worked at this nonprofit where we were doing all this good work and that made complete sense. And I remember having total guilt when I left my career in the nonprofit world that I was going into this very selfish activity of like making art every day and then selling it. Right. And it didn't occur to me until I started to really dig into my values that, oh, wait, I need to integrate service into my art practice. I didn't know what that could look like. Now it's like integrated into practically everything I do. Right. But these, again, these two values that, you know, creativity and service, which seemed so separate or like I found all of these ways to meld them together. Yeah, we are together. That's, that's awesome. That, that's a really good example of how it's not like, they're not like swim lanes, like they exist like on their own. They, there's very much... I mean, maybe they are like swim lanes because the water underneath is blending. Right. I, I, we got to wrap up soon, but I, I want to talk about this idea of, you know, we've touched on this a little bit, but once people have done the exercise or maybe people have already done it in a different way and know their values, but they're struggling to keep them front of mind. You mentioned that you, you know, decorated some rocks and you have friends who painted them. We've obviously got the deck. I was thinking of taking mine and like hanging them up just right in front of my desk. Yeah. There are some activities in the booklet where you can really like get deeper into your core values, you know, like why it's so important to you, like doing some, some reflection. There's a little bit on there on assessing your current life through the lens of your core values, you know, 
like we we made this chart like where we divided you know your life into things like relationships work leisure time mind body health you can use any category you want but like to actually take those values and see how they're reflected in the big categories of your life of your right? life your, that's right. of work relationships etc there's also a great tool in the booklet on decision making so you list your core values down the left hand column and if you have a big decision that you're making like whether to move to portland with your <laughs> with your wife or whether um, you should spend money on a certain vacation or whether you should take a certain job. You know, the question is then, how can I approach this decision so it aligns with this core value? Or does this decision align with this core value? Yeah. And sometimes I realize that when I'm at a crossroads about something, we would call that like a red flag, right? Like you get that gut feeling that something isn't right. If I take a moment and I stop and I think, where is this in conflict with my values? Where is this? Why am I feeling this like gut reaction to this person or this opportunity or this interaction that I just had or this email I just got? Or if you think about all of the things that cause you anxiety, I would say not always, but nine times out of 10, that thing that's giving you red flags or giving you anxiety is somehow in conflict with one of your values. values. Yeah. And so it's really can be, can be very illuminating. And so reflecting on that either by writing or, or just talking it through with, with somebody you trust is, can be really helpful. I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up and I know we have to wrap up, but I just want to punch out really fast that I love that you said, taking a moment, taking a beat. I mean, our lives are so frenetic. So, you know, everything's coming at us. P.S. It's designed that way. Um, And, you know, like, and so to just take a moment and, you know, whatever that moment looks like for you, for some people, it's about writing. For some people, it's about drawing. For some people, it's about taking a walk, but just like taking a moment to reflect on what is happening, what you're feeling in your body, like you just said, and then just remembering like, oh, the reason this is happening, feeling like this is I suspect because um, one or more of my core values are in conflict with one another. It's exactly, you're exactly right. But, but taking that moment is so vital. Andrea, let's talk about where people can get the values deck. So I sell it in my online shop and I will link to that. You can also get it anywhere books are sold, Amazon. Andrea, where have you found it out in the world? Well, so far I I uh, have been pointing people to your site and to Chronicle. Um, oh yeah, Chronicle, Chronicle's Chronicle website. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I suspect that we will begin. You know, it was stuck on a on a ship there for a minute. Yes, it was. So I suspect that we will begin seeing it in our favorite independent, you know, sort of gift shops or bookstores. But my my main road so far has been either to your site or to Chronicle's site. Yeah, so I will link to all those places. You can also just Google it and figure out like yeah. where it is on, on the internet. And it's called the Live Your Values Deck. And yes. um, it's got a big butterfly on the front. Just it. emerging out into the world, ready right. to live their best life, their best butterfly life. Yes. Andrea, thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk to me today about this project. And thank you so much for like bringing it into my world. This was a dream come true for us. And again, I guess, yeah, we've been working on it for not two years, but three years. Three years or even over. Lisa, you are just a bright light. And I just can't thank you enough for saying yes. thank you for saying yes i'll leave it at that thanks andrea all right everyone later skater okay bye i hope you've enjoyed this episode editing of this podcast by the amazing gabe garber thanks to nick lambert for the original music and to my amazing team at the co-loop podcast network please subscribe to the lisa congdon sessions on apple podcasts and if you enjoy what you hear leave me a review You can follow me on social media at Lisa Congdon and at the Lisa Congdon Sessions. I hope you'll join me for future episodes. Have a magical day, everyone.